This is Jan Swift, and you're listening to Nourish Your Health at Every Age. The choices we make every day impact our health for the good or the bad. This podcast series features guests who share the latest information on how people of all ages may achieve optimal health and wellness. We tape in the offices of Raider, which offers a complete fleet of IT solutions for businesses of all sizes. Raider's motto is, you just want it to work, we understand. If you're wondering if Raider can help your business, visit RaiderSolutions.com. Our guest today is Dr. Larry Simone, a medical director for Blue Cross and Blue Shield of Louisiana. Larry is also a Rotarian, an animal rescuer, and a native of Lafayette, Louisiana. He's an alum of LSU, Baylor College of Medicine, and here we go, Larry, and Raider <laughs> Children Hospitals, Pediatric O. Toe Laryngology Fellowship in San Diego, California. Yes. He's a clinical assistant professor of Oto Laryngology at LSU. So, Dr. Simon, for the record, you're an ENT. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. And, and, Welcome and, and, to the show. <laughs> well, pr- prior to meeting my wife, you know, you go into a bar, you meet people, and ask what you do for a living. <laughs> I'm an Oto Laryngologist. Well, you can't say that. And so I would say, I'm an ENT. And they go, oh, so you write ambulances. Oh, really? Uh, no, not, not, not EM, exactly. So uh-huh. it's ear, nose, and throat doctor. That's right. So you're here. I know you're very active in our community, not only helping animals. You're an active Rotarian, Mm -hmm. but today I called you because of the uh, coronavirus threat to Louisiana. And our main goal today is not to put fear in people. Our main goal is to share practical knowledge, information, and Mm -hmm. reasons people can know that they can help take care of their own health and protect their loved ones yeah. from sharing this virus. That's right. So I'm just going to kind of let it rip. Uh, what is coronavirus? All right. Yeah. So I, I thank you for the introduction. Coronavirus is an RNA-based virus. There's two types of genetics. There's DNA viruses and there's RNA viruses. Coronavirus is what's called an RNA, vir- RNA virus. Rube, okay. What is it? Oh. Um, ribonucleic, ribonucleic acid. Yeah. Okay. D is deoxyribo and, and, and corona is a ribonucleic acid virus. That, that isn't as important in terms of the clinical transmission, but what we do know about it is that it's an airborne virus that causes respiratory distress. Okay, And what we know about it, and it's important to figure out what we know and don't know. And what I will add is this. We are getting more information by the hour, almost, and by the day on this virus. As we learn more about transmission, learn more about how it can be killed, learn more about how we can treat it. It's really important that to get the most current information, go to the CDC, so it's cdc.gov, who.org, and in Louisiana, ldh.la.gov. Would you say that last one again? ldh.la.gov. And that's our Louisiana Louisiana State Department Uh of Health. Yeah. Those are your three sources to go to for the most accurate information. I also want to say there's a lot of things, people are starting to use words like fear, frightened, panic, hysteria, all these things interchangeably. And it reminds me, my wife and I were watching the movie Outbreak last night. And it reminds me of a scene from the movie Outbreak, where Cuba Gooding Jr. and Dustin Hoffman and Kevin Spacey have just finished their first trip to this hot zone in Africa. And Cuba Gooding Jr. lost it in, in, the, uh, in the tent where all the sick patients were. And he's apologizing to Dustin Hoffman's character afterwards. And he says, sir, I was afraid. I'm so sorry. Hoffman then sits him down and says, you know, fear gets a bad rap. 
I don't want anybody on my team who isn't afraid. And I think about that in terms of right now. We need to be sure that we distinguish between a judicious use of some fear and some caution and then outright fear, panic, and hysteria. What we need to be right now as a community is cautious. A, a, a healthy and small amount of fear is appropriate because it'll make you take the right precautions. You do not need to be panicking. We don't need to be doing things like stockpiling on toilet, toilet paper. paper. Yeah, you go to Costco, there's no toilet paper and there's no paper towels. You know, we they don't always need have a lot of toilet paper. Always have a lot. Know. You know, what you need to be doing right now is focusing on, um, one thing is hand hygiene. Okay, okay, in terms of washing your hands. Hand sanitizer that is 60% alcohol or greater or any kind of soap is good to have around your house. Let's talk about that. We were talking before we started, mm -hmm. like dollar store, ivory, yeah. pear soap, anything cheap is just as good as high-end yes. yeah. uh, antibacterial yeah. soap. Let's talk about that, about the 20-second rule and what people need to do. That's a great question. So pretty much from an organic chemistry standpoint, soap is soap. And what soaps do is they break down what we call lipid layers. And lipid is the biochemical term for fat. Mm -hmm. Okay. Now, every virus, and in this one in particular, is essentially, it's a, a collection of its genes, its RNA, wrapped in a ball of fat. Okay. okay. Think about the last time you ate a ribeye and the good meat is wrapped up in fat. That's basically what a virus is. It's this little wrapping of fat and some genes inside of it. And then when it gets inside your, your body, it gets into your cells, the genes come out, it, then will, it can then hijack your own cells, uh, organelles to replicate itself, kill the cell and get mm -hmm. out. So we don't want that to happen. We don't want that to happen. So what soap does, soap then dissolves the little wrapping of fat around the RNA of the virus. And it grabs it. Hmm? It, take, it grabs it from your hands. Like well, yeah, no, well, it'll, it'll kill it on your hand. Okay, and so the, the, what the soap does is the soap breaks down the fat, exposing the RNA, which then just degrades. Okay, now it takes a certain amount of time for soap to have definitively dissolved all the fat of all the cells. And that's where 20 seconds comes from. And so what you want to do to wash your hands is get soap on your hands. Okay, then coat every surface of your hand, maybe up to your wrist with you're the soap. Up. Yeah, you're going up your arm. Yeah. Yeah, and so coat as much as as you can with the soap, and then let the soap sit there so for 20 seconds. So it's not running your hands it under isn't the, the water. water. You're not rinsing. You're not rinsing the virus off your skin with water. You're putting soap under your skin, giving the soap 20 seconds to kill the virus, and then rinsing that off. And with under water. your nails, like yeah, I mean you you sure. can clean under your nails. Uh, you can get little brushes and, and rub your fingertips, kind of like we do in surgery. But really, the, the big thing is just to get every skin surface of your hands coated with soap and let it sit there for 20 seconds. I thought they meant 20 seconds, like, you know, where you got your hands no. under the yeah. faucet no, no. and then like hot water. Yeah. I really thought yeah. it was 20 seconds. Mm -hmm. So you're the first person I've heard say yeah. the soap has to stay on your hands 20 seconds. Yep. And then just one second, get it off rinse with water. It, rinse it off with water and, and, and you're going to And this is every go. time you've probably been out touching doorknobs. Every time you sneeze, right? Like yeah, the rule of thumb that we that I would say. We're also gonna need lotion. Well, yeah, we also need lotion. <laughs> For dry skin. The rule of thumb that I would give honest is if you think about washing your hands, find a sink and wash them. You, can, you really can't do it too much in, in this environment. But yeah, I mean, anytime you 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 leave your house and, and, and shake hands with somebody or handle something that you haven't kept clean, mm -hmm. uh, if you sneeze or if you be around someone who sneezes or coughs, etc., just little hand sanitizer in your hands or wash your hands. Right. Yeah, the other things to, to keep in mind are, you know, we're heading, we're in crawfish season right now, okay? And we're heading into festival season. We're all gonna be going to banquets and things like that. 
um, take precautions, okay? If you're either elderly or if, you have, if, if you're sick, it's worthwhile thinking about staying home. And really anyone, it's worthwhile thinking about staying home. I want to talk about two different things, though. If you do go to these banquets, okay, if you see someone who's coughing or who's sick, get the heck away. I'm okay. going to the Hyman Center tonight for the Carol King mm -hmm. performance, and we're not canceling that. Yeah, I don't think we have any reason to, given what Lafayette's experiencing now. But if I was, I'm 62. If people were really elderly or compromised in health, you would probably say don't go to a public setting. Well, we don't have enough data yet mm -hmm. to make a decision on that. And I'll answer by saying this. My wife and I decided not to go to downtown Alava on Friday. And my wife and I have decided not to go to the KISS concert that we have tickets to on Saturday. Oh, shoot. We're just, we're not going to go. Well, Jason, because, yeah. yeah. <laughs> tickets. Yeah. No, because the thing is, if there's someone that has the virus who's within about five or six feet of you and they cough, you're, you have a very good chance of getting it. Because it lands on you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because water. their secretions will come that? out. It's not the breath. Right. It's not like we, we don't think it's transmitted through dry air. We don't know yet. What we do know is that it is transmitted through respiratory droplets, so saliva and mucus that you sneeze out or cough out. Okay. Okay. We do know that it comes from that. Um, the best estimates right now are it can travel about five or six feet in, that, in those elements. But again, that's what to keep track of on cdc.gov and who.org because as we learn updated. more yeah, uh -huh. about how it's transmitted, and in particular, how long it can survive on a surface. That's like what I was someone, asking you. You don't know. Huh? We don't know. No, it's like someone coughs into a table. How long does it sit there? And if you search online, you will see estimates ranging from a few hours to several days. Okay. And so we really don't know yet. And that's one of the big unknown questions that the CDC is trying to figure out right now is how long does this thing live on surfaces? Is there a difference? Does it live longer on wood than on metal? Does temperature matter? We don't know. Uh, does the moisture on the surface matter? We don't know. Everything that we're, we're taking is being extrapolated from existing knowledge of flu and existing coronaviruses. And we're, we're verifying it with lab experiments. Mm -hmm. But those are some of the things we don't know yet in terms of how long it survives and surfaces. May I ask you with a, I know it's now been called a pandemic, and we have other serious flus, and I know the swine flu probably is still out there, but now people know more how to deal with it when it's diagnosed. What is it that makes this so unknown? It, how do viruses mutate? Is this something that just viruses continue to mutate? Viruses, and they, they, we don't know exactly how to deal with it? Well, vi viruses do continue to mutate. That, that's just a known fact of them. That's actually why the flu keeps coming back every year, even with flu vaccines, is the virus can shift and mutate. Um, I have not seen a definitive explanation yet on, on how this particular strain of coronavirus came about, but clearly it's a mutation of the virus that got onto patient zero some mm -hmm. way. But we don't know the exact thing that happened yet. We may months from now or as research can, um, research continues, but we don't know yet. But what can happen is viruses can then mutate the way your immune system works, okay? Your body is, is filled with these cells that are walking around bumping into everything in your bloodstream. And it bumps it and it scans it. Think of like a grocery store clerk scanning a grocery item to see what is this. And it scans the SKU number. And we know what it is, where it came from, who packaged it, the price. Mm -hmm. Your body's constantly doing that to everything inside of it. And it scans things and it identifies it as either self or not self. If it's not self, it wants yeah. to attack it. Oh. 
Okay, now, once it is recognized as not self, it then sends the alarm and other cells come in, specialized types of white blood cells, okay? And as we see new things, we can train our immune system to attack certain illnesses, okay? And so when you're exposed to, say, COVID-19, if your body's never seen it, mm -hmm. your body's starting off the fight behind the eight ball because the first scanners come up to and go, oh, this is not self, attack. But all you have is the first level infantry that doesn't know how to actually fight that virus. You don't have any mm -hmm. specialized, the medical term for them is antibodies. Mm -hmm. And I see, so it's anti yourself. Like, yeah, yeah, it's exactly right. And the way you become immune to something is you develop permanent antibodies to it. And then that spreads to the immunity. Like well, inside your own body. I can't give my immunity to something to you, but once you're immune to something, you're typically immune to it. And that's how vaccines work for measles, for mumps, for chicken pox, et cetera. Mm -hmm. The flu is a little bit different because it can mutate. So once, you've, once you're immune to one strand of the flu, you can still get a bunch of other strands of the flu. And for some reason, the immunity doesn't seem to, to be that durable. Okay. So what we're trying to figure out right now against coronavirus is can we make a vaccine to coronavirus? And if we do make a vaccine for it, how durable will it be? Can people that have had coronavirus and survived still get it? And when you think about, for example, the common cold, you can get common cold over and over and over again. So will people who've had coronavirus be permanently immune to it? Evidently, we hope they will, but we don't know that yet either. So young children, like I know really we're worried about the elderly right. and people that are, um, compromised right. immune systems. So if a lot of our kids are exposed to this, you know, just people just don't even know they're exposed to it, the hope is that most of our population will just become immune to it. It's just those people that are compromised, whether yeah. it's by age or just their, their healthy uh, right. system so. is, is not... They don't have an active, healthy system. Right. So, right. The, so the hope is that once you've, if you've had it, then you then become immune to it. That's the hope. It isn't clear if that's going to happen or not. And we really won't know until, I don't know when, but we won't know that for a while. But we don't know yet if you're permanently immune to it once you've had it. You point out, though, a very good thing and a very key difference between the coronavirus and the influenza virus based on what we know right now. The influenza virus can be particularly severe for the very young and the and right. the old and, and infirm. Coronavirus or COVID-19 seems to really only produce severe illness in older people. Now, we do have people in their 30s that have that have died from it, but that's extremely rare. And most of your fatalities are in either the elderly population, okay, people in their 70s and up, uh, even 60s and up. Um, and so we're getting into sort of the social versus medical definition of elderly at that point. I know, but it's kind of scary when you're in your 60s. Exactly. <laughs> you know, and, but people in their 60s and 70s need to be very cautious with mm -hmm. this. But also in people that have underlying chronic conditions, chronic mm -hmm. lung diseases, kidney problems, things that already weaken their body's ability to fight infection. Because your body's not filtering That's out. Right. Yeah, your body's yeah. not as strong. Uh -huh. uh, but, but kids do seem to either uh, to have very, very mild cases of this Thank and goodness. not be that impacted by it, which is great. Well, it's, it's great. And it's, it, the problem with it, though, okay, and I'm jumping into community action. Mm -hmm. This is where shutting down schools comes into play. Why would you know, you hear people, yeah, You hear communities shutting down schools. You go, oh, my God, kids don't get sick. That's crazy. Well, the, the problem is kids are constantly interacting with each other. It's a lot harder for kids to practice social distancing measures than adults, okay? So if one kid in a school gets it, odds are they're gonna give it to a bunch of kids in the school. Those kids don't necessarily get severe disease, but they come home and they then hug and kiss mommy and daddy and they then hug and grandma. kiss grandma and grandpa mm -hmm. and then grandma or grandpa ends up in the intensive care unit, 
And, and that's why Italy shut down. They just that's had to nip why, in the bud. Yep. And that's why you're seeing communities shut down schools is because while children don't necessarily get the most severe symptoms, they are a very effective mode of viral transmission to those who can get mm -hmm. very sick and, and potentially die from it. So if somebody's in our community and let's say they don't have the sniffles or maybe they do because allergies, they have separate issues with allergies. Yeah. Like South when Louisiana. should you huh. think about going to the doctor or doing or using telemedicine, telehealth mm -hmm. is what I'd like you yes. to talk about too. If I've got, let's say, a hundred fever and a cough and I just don't feel right, is that a reason to maybe try to do telehealth or, or go to the walk-in clinic? When do you ask people to go get a, a test or checked? So the short answer to your question of, of 100 degrees and a cough, I would definitely want to speak to a healthcare provider. Either speak by, either, by yeah, phone? But yeah, by, by, by phone or by telehealth. Um, and if you don't have access to that, then go ahead and go to urgent care or ER or your primary doctor and, and get checked out. But you bring up a good point because we, we have to distinguish between the cold, the flu, and COVID-19. Okay. Now, COVID-19 is typically starts off with a cough and a fever right out the gate. You don't have one without the other. You have the cough and the fever. Do you feel bad? Do well, people feel Yeah, you do. But you start off with the cough and the fever, and it's usually a dry cough. And then you have the onset of fairly severe, what we call malaise. You feel like just a ton of bricks has landed on you. And that's what Tom Hanks said in his wife. That's what Tom Hanks said, yeah. You're tired. Everything aches. But importantly, you don't have a headache. Flu yeah. causes headaches. So bad. Yeah. And the headache is a distinguishing factor between the flu and COVID-19. Okay, so if you're getting a headache with coughing and fever, think flu. If you're getting no headache, cough and fever, potentially COVID, okay? And then if there's no headache and no fever, odds are you're dealing with allergies or common cold. So just stay home. <laughs> yeah, just well. stay home. You know, but, but again, it's important, you know, like Blue Cross, we have a, an app called Blue Care, and mm -hmm. you can download it onto your iPhone or your Android phone, and 24 seven, you can pop on and, 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 and telemedicine, teletalk to a doctor, and tell them, just listen, I've got these symptoms, do I go in or not? And, and, they, can, and they can help guide you on that. Uh, and, and like Lafayette Journal, other hospital General systems say, got all have the same thing. System. Yeah. yeah, you know, most um, most primary care doctors have patient portals. You can email them. Say, hey, doc, I woke up this morning. I have 102 fever and I'm coughing. I, I feel like dirt. What do you think? You know, because you, you bring up an interesting point, too, of, you know, you, you want to minimize both your exposure to the disease and you want to minimize exposing other people mm -hmm. to the disease. And so... Being cautious and being vigilant is, is, is important. But right. again, don't panic and don't, don't you know, no, try to avoid panic hysteria. And while we're talking about getting health care, I've heard mixed reviews about what the president said last night. Are copays being waived by insurance companies? Like if I'm a single mother with four kids and I'm worried about what I spend, you know, where are we in Louisiana at least on um, getting a test? and having it paid for by sure. insurance. Sure, so, and the first I would start that off with is just check with your own health insurance plan mm -hmm. um, on that, because each plan is gonna have their own regulations, state regulations, et cetera. I can tell you that Blue Cross of Louisiana, there are two things that Blue Cross of Louisiana uh, has done. The first is um, COVID-19 testing uh, is a zero copay. So COVID-19 COVID testing is covered at the full cost. Like. There's no copay. No, for, for no, COVID-19 no testing, for, the, for okay. the molecular test to get tested for COVID-19, we, we are doing that at no cost. And are they available? 
Larry? Uh, yeah, I, well, yes, they are. Um, you get a presumptive test from the State Department mm -hmm. of Public Health that then, that then gets sent off to CDC. the CDC for verification. Mm -hmm. And again, that's one of those things, cdc.gov, WHO, and public health, because that is evolving on a day-to-day -day basis, availability of tests and, and trying to ramp up production and availability of those things. Um, but the other thing you can do also for chronic disease medications, okay, you want to be prepared to possibly quarantine yourself if you have you to. You were telling me that. So, yeah. like, if we do have to quarantine, you don't want to be on the last two days of your of your insulin or your high blood insulin. pressure medicine. Yeah, yeah exactly. So, uh -huh. for patients with chronic diseases on chronic medications, you can get refills before you would normally be able to. So you're not penalized or not financially. Penalized. Yeah, no. If, if you if refill, you, yeah. And so if you're if you have Blue Cross of Louisiana and you're on a, a chronic disease, medi disease medication and you want to uh, either you know get another 90-day refill, we're trying to encourage as many people as we can to get 90-day supplies. And it's cheaper to do that Yeah, too. it is cheaper to do it that way. Or if, if you've got say 20 left and you wanna go ahead and get a, mm -hmm. a supply, you can do that now for no penalty while we're dealing with this with this COVID-19 uh -huh. issue. And so um, are y'all getting this word out? Can I ask what Blue Cross is doing? Like, well, we, I'm a Blue Cross um, yeah. customer. Yeah, yeah. Will we be getting emails that tell all of us we're encouraging you to go ahead and refill your meds? Yes, and no, and you, you can check Blue Cross on social media. You can also go, you can go to bcbsla.com slash COVID-19. And that you, you're gonna find every piece of information okay. you, can, you can want about Blue Cross's response to COVID on that, so it's bcbsla.com slash COVID-19. Uh, and you have information on, on co-payments, on testing, et cetera, right there. Uh, and you can also follow us on social media, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, uh, and videos and information are being posted there mm -hmm. as well. You know, I had so many questions for you and I realized you don't know the answer. So I could put you on the spot and say, will this be over for family vacations when kids get out of school, but we don't know yet. Oh, how this is going to evolve? Do you think it? Are you thinking in your gut it's going to be like a a cycle, like a quick cycle, or do you know enough to? I, I, guess? The short answer is no. We don't know. I, I can tell you what, what what we do know and we hope. So, for example, you know, South. I saw a bell curve graph this morning where I South Korea's yeah. um, response was, was just rapid shutdown of the society. And it just flattened the curve. Yeah. yeah. And okay, and you just said a magic word. I want to talk about flattening mm -hmm. the curve. All right. The way these epidemics in society's work is there's a rapid uptick, a peak, and then it wanes off. And how high that peak goes and how long that curve lasts can be heavily influenced by the precautions that we that, take. Yeah, that yeah. we take. And you know, the governor, Governor Edwards has talked about them. His, uh, Tina Stefanski with the Department mm -hmm. of Health has talked about them. But the social isolation, the washing of the hands, um, the only, you know, where you would, a mask can be worthwhile if you yourself are sick. It can, it can contain your secretions. But that's the only time you would think about necessarily a mask right now. But having sanitizing wipes for surfaces at your house, um, you know, staying home as much as you can from work or school. And again, in accordance with CDC and Department of Health guidelines, follow those because they change every, you know, they're going to be updated frequently. But I, I ramble a little bit. But no, flattening no. the curve, what we're trying to do is flatten that peak so that healthcare providers can meet the need healthcare the higher well, that peak goes right the, well healthcare providers can meet the need but also we just want to have fewer people sick and dying well, exactly. in the first place you know you want to minimize the number of people who die and you want to minimize the number of people who get sick and so flattening the curve is trying to 
lower the peak that it gets to mm -hmm. before it begins before it begins to get better. That's flattening the curve. And that's what we're trying to do with these public health measures right now. So South Korea, um, other countries have had test kits available. And do you think that the United States can catch up? Do you know much about that, about where we are overall with being able no, to I, test? No, and I just, I, I wouldn't presume to, to second guess any action from the government, be it CDC, mm -hmm. HHS, uh, anyone like that. I, I, I think that regardless of what has happened in the past, I think the CDC and the Department of Health and Human Services and the State Departments of Health are doing everything they can uh, at I this too. point, you know, I, regardless of, of of any past actions, uh, we we are doing everything we can to catch up on it. But the uh, you know the impact of the virus is, is we don't yet know how long it's going to last. You know, we don't yet know is it going to be four weeks? Is it going to be four months? We don't know. And what you're seeing a lot of people do is make plans kind of in in, in several week increments. You know, like if you look at uh, you know a, a lot of a lot of places have canceled events through the end of March, mm -hmm. but we're not looking at April yet. And you know, laugh, you've got Festival International coming up. You got Jazz Fest in, in New Orleans, and, and they're, they're hanging on. They're, well, they're hanging on, and, and it's it's quite frankly, um, you know, they, we don't know enough yet to know if they should cancel it or not. We don't know how long, the, we don't know how flat the curve is going to be or how long it's going to last in Louisiana, and so things, decisions are being made in a week by week and, and month by month basis, but. What I really want to emphasize, you know, I was talking to my dad last night, and I was talking to, to, to my wife, and, and people are really afraid that this is going to permanently forever change how they live. You know, oh my gosh, we're never going to get to have concerts again, oh. go to restaurants again, go to festivals again. And it can make it then hard to swallow the pill of the social, social isolation that is needed to fight off the virus. We're not talking about a, a, a permanent change in how you do things. Mm -hmm. We are talking about coming together as a society to fight a fairly significant threat that we know we know how to control some of these things. Mm -hmm. We're talking about a month-by-month -month evaluation of these activities. So we're not saying, you know, next year we're not going to have festival. No one's even talking about, about those kinds of end-of-the-world scenarios. Right. We're talking about taking some reasonable precautions in week or month increments, mm. you know, and, and so uh, it's important to not start to think, oh my gosh, this is going to change how I live forever. Right. What's important is to stay calm, to keep your hands clean. If you're sick, don't go to mm -hmm. work. If someone is sick around you, step away from them. Um, if you're at a banquet, use the tongs to pick up your food. You can handle your food with your own hands once you get it on your plate, but, you know, don't, don't be putting your hands on, on public foods. Um, if so you're don't gonna, go to a buffet maybe for a while. You know. Yeah, and if you go to a buffet, make sure that the people around you are using the tongs to pick mm -hmm. up the food and use the tongs yourselves. And if you have to cough or sneeze, do it into a tissue. And if a tissue isn't available, do it into mm -hmm. your, your elbow. And then get some hand sanitizer and or, or, or wash your hands. Mm -hmm. These are all basic precautions we can take that are going to minimize uh, the impact of this virus. But it... Um, you know, just sort of some random stuff about it. Part of it, there's a lot of confusion over, wait a minute, the flu is killing more people. How severe is this thing really? And the flu is killing more, the flu has overall more deaths in the country because the flu's been here for longer. You know, flu season started in, in the United States last fall, and this has been a very bad flu season. In fact, it's still here. Normally, the flu season has waned off by the time you get into March. It's lasting into March and April this year, flu. And that's important to remember because if you have cough and fever, don't forget you could also have the flu. 
Should you still get a flu shot? Oh, absolutely. Right now, it's not too late. Uh, no, in March. it's not too late at all to get a flu okay. shot for two different reasons. My daughter reasons. had a question at LSU. Yeah. They're telling them maybe go ahead and get the flu yes. shot. Yes, no, absolutely get the flu shot for two different reasons. One, the flu season is lasting longer this year, hmm. so you still have time to build up an immunity with the flu. Secondly, we want to have as f as few flu cases as possible. So at hospital beds, as you said, hospital beds are available for people who get COVID. Oh. Okay, so don't forget you can still have the flu. But comparing just COVID-19 to flu, we know that COVID-19 is a little stickier than the flu. It's about twice as contagious as the flu. So I'm just sort of raw numbers. One person that has uh, the flu, it can infect maybe one and a half or so people. It's about 2.2 to two and a half people for someone that has COVID-19. So it's almost twice as contagious as the flu. We also don't know the true mortality rate. All the indications are that it likely is as um, as it kills as many people or it kills as high a percentage of people as the most severe strains of the flu. Okay, uh, the numbers I saw last night on CNN were 37 cases and 37 deaths in the U.S. and 1,200 cases. That's over 3% mortality. To put that in perspective, the flu kills on average 0.1%. So, the mortality rate in the U.S. for known cases. Mm -hmm. And that's the key fact is we don't know how many don't, cases no. we've actually had. Yeah. But known cases uh, is 30 times that of the average seasonal flu, okay? Mm -hmm. And a little higher than the most severe strains of the flu. All right, you know, China has had, I think, around 3,000 deaths and like 80,000 cases. So it's, we're still trying to figure out how many cases we've actually had and what the true fatality rate is. But it, it definitely is as, uh, as lethal, if not more so than the flu, and it's more contagious than the flu. Mm -hmm. Well, I know that we're a strong people, and I remember back yeah. to 2001, a lot of us thought, oh no, you know, the world is coming to an end. And previous generations survived World War II and other issues. And yeah. I think the biggest thing is just when you don't know what's going to happen, like you said, you need to get the facts, take care of yourself. I'm assuming yeah. you want us all to get sleep, eat healthy, drink yeah. enough water, and yeah. just and exercise exercise and just take care of yourself and take yeah. care of not spreading this to others yeah. and dr larry simon before we close uh, we're here with jason sakura of raider yes and i know that he's talking about companies looking ahead to what they're going to do and should they be tele you know working from home so i know you've got a question yeah or two i, I we definitely close. have a few questions um yeah so we're we're in the same situation as everybody else is when when do we take off and work from home, and all of our clients are asking us as well. So I'll get to that in a second. Uh, backing up, COVID-19, what's the COVID part and what's the 19 part? Yeah, sure. Uh, COVID is uh, from coronavirus. Okay. Okay. Uh, the technical name is SARS-CoV-2, so S-A-R-S-C-O-V-2-COVID-19. Okay. The COVID part comes from coronavirus. The 19 comes from 2019 is when it, when it showed up. Oh, okay. Yeah. So is this the first time that we knew about it, or have we known about this specific virus or mutations of it for years? No, th this this is a fresh, brand new strain of the coronavirus family. But okay. SARS, we've known about. SARS we've seen before, and MERS. And so we've had mm. SARS and MERS. Those are also both coronaviruses. So this is, this is a, you know, a first cousin of those. It's a coronavirus itself, but it's one that we've not seen before. Okay. Okay, so coronavirus is like the, the overarching name, and then this is specifically COVID-19 of that overarching yeah, virus. Okay. That's right. And the cold, isn't that a coronavirus? So, yeah, there, there are coronaviruses, many of them, that cause the common cold. Okay. Yes. Okay, good. Um, 
And so we talked a lot about washing hands and just hygiene, which we should be doing every day anyway. Right. Anyway, the yep. fact that this is being brought up is you know kind of, kind of a no-brainer. Yeah. yeah, like why aren't we doing this every day? But what about um, things like supplements and vitamins? Like I looked on Amazon and zinc is completely sold out. Is that, <laughs> is that, is that going to help people? It's pretty good. Huh? Yeah, well, no, and the short answer is, is, is we really don't know. You okay. know, I mean, you know, there's a lot of different, there are a lot of different sort of theories. Like you have cold ease and vitamin supplements that, that that can boost your immune system when you have the cold or you have the flu. There's varying degrees of evidence on, on which ones are helpful or which ones are not. Uh, there has been some indication that zinc lozenges mm -hmm. can actually. Um, um, reduce the transmission of the virus if it's inside your mouth. There's also some indication that drinking lots of water to keep your mucus nice and smooth can help if you get okay. uh, virus particles into your mouth because you're more likely to swallow them into your stomach than breathe them into your lungs. Um, and so, uh, and so I, I certainly wouldn't discourage someone from, from getting uh, you know, immune-boosting supplements, um, but I, I can't necessarily say if we know definitively they're going to help against COVID-19 specifically. Gotcha. Um, and, and that's one of those things, again, you know, Talk to your own doctor about it. Uh, check Department of Health, but okay. So, so Amazon being out of zinc is literally just people panicking a little bit. It, yeah, well, yeah, yeah. It's no, what we Amazon, know right now. I mean, it might change in a week from now. But yeah, I mean, a Amazon's out of out of vitamin supplements. They're out of the masks. They're out of hand sanitizer. They're out of toilet paper. A hard time. Out of yeah. toilet paper, paper towels, and that's the kind of hysteria that we're trying that we're trying to prevent. You know, you should yeah, be yeah. healthy. Be cautious. Um, but I, I love the phrase you see it on Facebook is just stay calm and wash your hands. Yeah. You know, I, you just be walking around just singing that mantra, stay calm and wash my hands, mm -hmm. stay calm and wash my hands. Because uh, that, that's the biggest thing. And it goes beyond just washing your hands. Don't try not to rub your nose in your mouth. These things, we, we, you touch your face 70 or 80 times a day, not even noticing it. Yeah. And those are things we have to try to learn to control. You know, uh, pushing elevator buttons when I was coming up to do the interview. Oh, what did you do with your elbow? I did it with my knuckle. Okay. Yeah, I did it with my knuckle, but <laughs> I, there are these things that we just sort of instinctively do that, that can possibly uh, aid in the transmission of the viruses. But yeah, in terms of Amazon being out of everything, that's, that, that's a little bit of panicking. <laughs> Got yeah. Well, and you mentioned using your knuckle, uh, like crosswalk things, you know, to trigger the crosswalk. Mm -hmm. I always use my elbow, elbow. or the back of my yep. hand. It, it, that's something we should be doing probably anyway. Yeah, I mean, it probably because that's also, and again, getting back to what, what, what we've talked about earlier, those things will always help you, help prevent you from getting the common cold and getting the flu. Mm -hmm. You know, what's just so scary about this thing is it's more contagious and potentially more deadly than the flu. And so now, wow, okay, if, I, if, I, if I'm not careful and I don't use my elbow and my knuckle, I might get the common cold. And what's the risk of getting the common cold versus the cost and the price and the annoyance of having to use your elbow and your knuckle? Well, now all of a sudden that cost-benefit ratio changes where mm -hmm. you really don't want to get COVID-19. Got yeah. Okay. Some of these other ones that I had written down, masks, gloves, Clorox wipes. Yeah. I mean, we've kind of hit on all those. Yeah, make sure things are clean. Make sure you're clean. Yeah. Um, the last thing I had, and getting back to kind of what we started my question with, was um, a quarantine trigger. When, so say Raider Solutions, what's a good indication that maybe we should start working from home? It, is there any good trigger? Has anybody defined that yet? The, the short answer is no. Okay. Um, I, I do. I I think it's reasonable if a company has the ability mm -hmm. for people to work from home. It's reasonable at this point to go ahead and move in that direction. Okay. If 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 you if you have that capacity, and you're seeing so many companies already doing that, you know, eliminating non-essential travel, and asking employees that can work from home to do so. Okay. But in terms of, of a management decision, the Department of Health is going to be the, the best place to turn to, okay. to turn to for that. You know, right now in Louisiana, the stats that I saw from the Department of Health earlier 
Uh, this morning were 14 cases now in Louisiana, with the vast majority being in Orleans, uh, one case in Iberia, mm -hmm. and no cases yet in Lafayette, which is good. Now, that doesn't mean that it isn't here in Lafayette. Mm -hmm. You know, we just haven't found it yet. But it's it's worthwhile to do everything you can to minimize non-essential contact um, with others while we're figuring out where this virus stands. And the best place to turn to for you know management level decisions is going to be Department of Health CDC recommendations. Okay. Do we know the incubation period yet, or are they still trying to figure that out? Still trying to figure that out. Uh, the average that that we're seeing is about five days before you become symptomatic. Okay. Um, but we have had patients out to 14 days asymptomatic um, before they knew that they had the darn thing. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. Now, which is scary, and, and what will end up happening is you, you, you will have this little minor cough with nothing else. Think, ah, it's just allergies. That's the danger zone because that's when you start spreading it before you knew you have it. Mm -hmm. And then you're coughing a little bit for a couple of days, spreading it, and then you get the fever and the malaise. Then you go, oh my gosh, you stay home, you get tested. But by this time, you've encountered a bunch of people and potentially exposed them. them to it. Yeah. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah. Thank you again for being here and for going over all this. And you know, in five years, if this happens again, because viruses mutate and it's happened before, it'll happen again. These are all good measures that we should take. So yeah. when we do this again, Jan, in five years, yeah. we'll have the same conversation. <laughs> we'll get Dr. Larry Simone back. Yep. I know. Jason and Jenya, th thank you very much. And, and, and again, CDC.gov, WorldHealthOrganization.org. Louisiana Department of Health website, check with your insurance companies for their own coverage policies, but wash your hands, you know, I, practice the, the sort of six to eight foot diff, uh, distance rule. You mentioned gloves and Clorox wipes. Yeah. yeah. Clorox wipes can be, can be helpful for, for cleaning surfaces at your home. They become in particular helpful for, for sort of public spaces in terms of keeping those safe, but Gloves and having those things at your house become useful if someone at your house becomes becomes ill. Oh, okay. Okay. Mm -hmm. You know, in terms of protecting yourself and minimizing transmission at your own home. But, you know, there's not any reason to be stockpiling on supplies. You know, there's reason to be washing your hands and be cautious, but we don't want to be having the hysteria right now of stockpiling for, for Armageddon. That That's not what we're talking mm -hmm. about. Okay. And all of our pets are safe, right? As far as, as we know. As far as we know okay, right now. All right, I wondered safe. about that. The dog, our dogs and cats yep. and, and chickens. Yeah, um, the chickens and the fish. Yeah. Yeah, okay. They won't get this? Uh, we, we don't, don't know. We, we really don't know. We really mm -hmm. don't know. Um, there are. I have seen a couple of write-ups in some veterinary websites uh, indicating that they're looking into it. Okay. You know, and I know, uh, Jace, I know you and you and your wife have got some animals. My wife oh, yeah. and I run an animal rescue. Yep. You know, and so that that's important. And if I come across anything that that seems legitimate with answering that question, I will be sure to yeah. let you know. Yeah, give me a phone call. I will definitely do that. <laughs> so, Larry, do you want to get that website in about your animal rescue while we're here? Would you like oh, to yeah. tell people? Yeah. So uh, we're we're on primarily on Facebook. It's the L M S Animal Rescues Rough Rider R U F F R I E R I D E R Transports. And what do you do? Uh, so what my wife and I do is we, we take in dogs that are on the euthanasia list oh. from local shelters and we coordinate with other rescues and fosters all throughout Louisiana, okay, uh, and other no-kill shelters in Louisiana. So we get dogs off of the euthanasia lists. We then can submit these dogs to, uh, to no-kill shelters in Iowa, Kansas, uh, New York, uh, all over the country, really and transport them out of Louisiana to, to get them to uh, to get them to find forever homes. You know, forever. Forever. Yes, you know, and, and if you are. Yeah. 
And yeah, I do want to talk about the Laffey Animal Control Center. Mm-hmm. They're building a beautiful new complex. Uh, you know, Mayor Robodeau had made that a, a priority, and he really did end up mm-hmm. seeing a lot of it through. And the Laffey Animal Control Center, or Laffey Animal Shelter and Care Center, has done things like lowering adoption fees and moving towards no-kill. Uh, the adoptions are much higher. They're partnering now with, with our rescue, as well as many others, uh, for transporting animals out of Louisiana. And, and the impact that it's had on euthanasia lists uh, in Lafayette has been phenomenal. And, mm-hmm. and just a huge thank, thank you to, uh, to Shelly Adela, who's the director at Lafayette Animal Shelter and Care Center. But if you want to help out uh, our rescue, it's the LMS. It's my initials and my wife's initials. LMS, Animal Rescue Foundation. And you can find us on Facebook. You can find us on Amazon Smile. Oh. Uh, and... Um, you know, please get involved. Please, uh, you know, rescue, spay, neuter, adopt, yeah. uh, and do what you can to help these wonderful pets in our community. I wanted to get that in because you're also active with Rotary North. You're the incoming president. So you bring your expertise to the community as a, a doctor, but yeah. you also bring your heart to us. So thank you. Yeah, no, it, it's fun. Yeah, Rotary, Rotary is a great organization. Again, you can look at rotary.org. Uh, <laughs> in, po- in polio now. While you're washing your hands. Um, you know, while you're washing your hands. Yeah. But, uh, you know, but we're excited. We've gotten polio down not only two countries worldwide, Afghanistan yeah. and Pakistan. Uh, World Polio Day every year is October 24th. Uh, and, and check that out on rotary.org and in polio uh, oh, well. now. Yeah. Um, and uh, thank you very much for thank having me you. on. I want to thank Dr. Larry Simone for being a very knowledgeable guest on Nourish Your Health at Every Age. And I want to thank our listeners. And I want to encourage people to look up this podcast and um, spread the news. So thank you for listening. This is Jane Swift. My pleasure. Thank you for joining us.